You're listening to the Maryland Anglican Podcast, where we have sermons, devotionals, and other media from Maryland's Anglican Church. I hope you enjoy. Death is always a tragedy. But at this time of COVID-19, we have the added tragedy of not being able to mourn over the loss of a loved one in the way we would normally do. Right now, funerals in Australia are being conducted with no more than 10 people present, which means that lots of people, including family, well, they miss out on being able to mourn and grieve together and to respectfully say goodbye to a loved one. We are not able to remember our loved one by attending the ceremony together. We cannot comfort each other by being together, hugging each other, grieving together in the way we normally would. We are unable to say goodbye with the same kind of respect we would normally be able to show through a special ceremony or service. It is a terribly painful time for those who have lost loved ones and we need to keep them in our thoughts and prayers. I personally know people who have uh, had family members die recently. Those deaths were in other countries. One person lost a brother in America. Another person lost a mother in Zimbabwe. Because there is no international travel at this time, those people were not able to attend the funerals of the people they loved so much, of their family. Even if they were able to find a way into those countries right now, to meet up with family and friends for a time of mutual grief and and comfort, even if they missed the funeral, they would have to be in quarantine for two or three weeks before they got to be with those people, with their family. And then they would have to be in quarantine when they returned. It would be four to six weeks of quarantine for only maybe a few days of visiting. Death is a tragedy. But living in isolation means that we cannot properly bury our dead. Not with the same kind of solemn ceremony where people show courtesy, respect, comfort and grief simply by attending a funeral. Today, at the end of our Genesis series, we will be looking at two deaths two burials, two ceremonies, which are very different, but have similar messages. Genesis 12 to 50 contain the stories of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, though Jacob's son Joseph also plays a big part. 
To understand their stories, you need to understand the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God had made them, uh, God had promised them that they would have so many children that they would become a nation. He promised them the land of Canaan, a place for that nation to live. God made promises about blessing, not only that they would be blessed, but they would be a blessing to others. Lastly, God promised Abraham that his name would be great, that he would become famous. Part of the tension in the stories about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph is whether God would keep his promises. It makes us ask the questions, is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, a promise-keeping God? Is God someone we can put our trust in? What we have found is that despite the many challenges, when it looked impossible for the promises to be kept, God did keep his promises in one way or another, or at the very least, God made sure that those promises were not broken. By the time we get to the end of Genesis, we find that the promises of blessing, fame and children are being fulfilled. But the promise of the land of Canaan being owned by the Israelites was still yet to happen. What we see at the end of Genesis are the deaths and burials of Jacob and Joseph, which point to the expectation that God will fulfill his promises completely. When Jacob was coming to the end of his life, he called Joseph to him and gave a blessing to Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. In this way, Jacob practically adopted them as his own. Then Jacob called the rest of his sons in, and he blessed them as well. He then gave them his final instructions. He was to be buried in the family tomb, where his parents, grandparents, and his first wife were buried. It may have been that Jacob just wanted to be buried in the family tomb. But I believe that Jacob remembered God's promises about the promised land, which was where the family tomb was, and asked Joseph and his brothers to bury him there in the expectation that one day all the Israelite people would be with him in the promised land. Well, Jacob died. And this brought Joseph great grief. We are told that Joseph wept over his father and kissed his dead body. He then organised for his father to be embalmed in a royal way. The Egyptians took 40 days to mummify Jacob and there were 70 days of mourning. But the honour and respect that Egypt paid to Jacob and Joseph, that went even further. Joseph spoke to Pharaoh through his officials and said in Genesis chapter 50 from verse 5, Now let me go up 
and bury my father. Then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. If you read this carefully, it sounds very similar to what Moses asked another Pharaoh 400 years later, to let God's people go. In fact, Jacob's burial story foretells the idea of the Exodus, that a people would leave Egypt and take the best of Egypt with them and go to the Promised Land. In Genesis 50, Pharaoh knew Joseph. They had a good relationship. And Pharaoh told him to go and bury his father. But have a look at how grand this burial procession was. Uh, verses 7 to 9 of chapter 50. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him. That's Joseph. The dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household, and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household, only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. Imagine seeing this very large group of people travelling from Egypt to Canaan. They may well have been wearing official robes or special ceremonial clothing for the funeral. It was as if the best of Egypt was on show out of respect for Jacob and Joseph. You know, this would be the only time that Joseph returned to his homeland. He had not been there since he was 17. Now, he was there to bury his father. Then he returned. Once again, we read about how much people mourned over Jacob. When they got to the threshing floor of Atad, near where they would bury Jacob, they mourned for another seven days. It was such a big event that it left a lasting impression on the Canaanites who were living nearby. Verse 11 of chapter 50. The Egyptians are holding a special ceremony of mourning, they said. That is why that place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizraim. Abel Mizraim means mourning of the Egyptians. The place was named in honour of Jacob's funeral. The mourning, the, the, the ceremony was so great, big and vast, they actually named the place after that event. But there is a problem here. The point of Jacob returning to his family tomb was to show that he trusted in the promises of God. The promised land was Canaan. His family tune was in Canaan. Jacob was returning to Canaan in the expectation that his descendants, 
his children and children's children would would return to the promised land as the nation of Israel. Then they would all be together once more. But this was not an Israelite funeral. This was an Egyptian funeral with Egyptian officials and the Canaanites recognised it as an Egyptian ceremony. This journey to the Promised Land may have said something about what would happen 400 years later, but it was not the Exodus that was to come. Well, only a few verses later we read of Joseph's death and burial. I believe they are close together, so close together in the account of chapter 50, that you are meant to compare the two stories and see how things are similar and that some things are very different. A similarity is that Joseph got to see the birth of his great-grandchildren just like his father Jacob did. A big difference is the, is the detail of the two burial stories. We are told about how Jacob had a massive funeral with a grand procession of important people. The event was so big that the place was named after the event. And we are told that about the mourning which happened in Egypt and Canaan. All we are told about Joseph's funeral is half a verse. The very last verse of Genesis chapter 50 of the whole book. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. But Joseph was the saviour of Egypt. We do not hear of grand ceremonies and long processions to foreign lands. We do not hear of extended times of mourning. Joseph just died, was embalmed and placed in a coffin. To understand that massive difference we need to go back to another similarity. Both Jacob and Joseph left instructions about being buried in the promised land. They both knew that God would come to the aid of their people and take them out of Egypt to the promised land. But the last big difference between the two burial stories is the timing of their final resting place. Jacob looked back to the promises and wanted to return home immediately to be buried with his fathers. Joseph looked forward to the fulfillment of the promises and wanted to wait until he could be taken with his descendants to the promised land. You see, Joseph knew there was something more to come, something better. And he wanted to be part of that, even if it was just his bones which got to be part of it. In his letter to the Hebrews, the writer wrote about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, as well as, well as other heroes of the faith. He said in Hebrews 11 from verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity, or they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, Joseph saw how some of God's promises were being fulfilled, but he also saw that the promise of land was still in the distance, something he had to wait for. We need to be like Joseph, trusting in God's promises of forgiveness and eternal life. We need to be like foreigners and strangers on the earth, like Joseph was a foreigner and stranger in Egypt. We need to be longing for a better country, a better home. We need to be longing for a heavenly country, a heavenly city, for that is what Jesus has prepared for us. Joseph recognised that his bones needed to go with God's people to the promised land. We need to recognise that our spirits, indeed our resurrected bodies, need to be with God in the new creation. Yes, we need to live in this world, and like Joseph, we can make a big difference in this world. But we also need to remember that this is not our home. This is not our final resting place. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews finished his chapter about the heroes of the faith in this way. Hebrews 11 from verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together, with us, would they be made perfect. Joseph looked forward to the promised land. We look forward to heaven. Together, with Joseph, we will be able to enter God's rest. That is the great hope we look forward to. In the meantime, we need to support each other in our grief, especially during COVID-19. We may not want to have funerals as big as Jacob's, but we may not want it to be as small as Joseph's. In many ways, what we want for a funeral for our loved one well, that's out of our hands. Therefore, if you know someone who has had to face such a difficult time as not being able to conduct or attend a funeral, then please comfort them and pray with them. You might not be able to do anything more than to talk with them over the phone or, or send them a card. But make sure they know that they are not in complete isolation. They are not isolated from your love, nor from the love of God. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for people who are struggling with the um, with not being able to conduct a funeral or attend a funeral, uh, being able to do things in the way they would like to do them. We're all suffering in that way, just maybe in minor ways, not being able to do some of the things we want to do, but to not be able to show respect in the way you want to show respect to a loved one is just so, it's almost damaging. And so, Father, I, I pray for those that we know who are struggling at this time with this grief, with this pain, this sadness, maybe even regret, even though they can't do anything to fix it. I pray, Lord, that we might be with them in spirit and and love we might be able to talk with them and pray with them and may you comfort them in their time of grief we pray that we may all be able to look forward to the promises that you have made to us the promise of eternal life the promise of the knowledge of being perfected of knowing that our grief will, and our, our um, sin will no longer be with us and that we can be in a complete and perfect relationship with you we pray that we might hold on to this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.